Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us on yet another overcast day here in the capital. I'm Matthew O'Neill, and today, as always, we ensure that we have a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. First, we're joined by Towns Cavallo, General Manager of Beckett Southsea, a restaurant and hotel located in the heart of Southsea. Terence, hello. Hello, Matthew. Thank you for coming on the program today. Now, we are here to talk about leadership, but before we get there, we have to touch on the ongoing COVID outbreak. As a restaurant and a, a hotel establishment, how has this affected your business? Well, we originally were a 120-seater restaurant. Uh, we've had to put measures in place to obviously keep customers and our staff safe, which has included removal of tables and chairs, a reduction of staff, and also um, putting measures in such as temperature checks for staff and customers to make sure that everybody who comes into the building is feeling as safe as possible. Obviously, this has a knock-on effect on how much profit we're able to make because less covers obviously means less revenue. Um, but so far, um, since reopening, we've been very strong. We've been very busy. Customers have been uh, very happy with the measures we've put in place. The staff have been kept safe. So at the moment, and I know it's early days, um, it's only been, I think, three weeks now, but it's been a very strong start. Um, the only problem is we, we just don't know what's going to happen. We, we don't know if this is the sort of peak of revenue and then is it going to dip? Um, and of course, we also have the issue in terms of not being able to host groups of over six. So we've had to unfortunately cancel a lot of wedding celebrations, baby showers, birthdays. And of course, that's, that's another sort of uh, hit to the, the revenue stream. Uh, absolutely. Um, we should move on to the subject of leadership, of course. Uh, I always like to start this part of the conversation off by asking the same simple question. What does the word leader mean to you? For me, a leader is somebody who can motivate others to get the best out of them. So to get your team to fully to realize their potential and to get them pulling from the same page and have everybody working together to uh, achieve that goal that they want to achieve. Um, and that doesn't matter if it's a business, a sports team. Um, it's, it's essentially somebody who can really pull their socks up and get their team motivated to achieve the, the goals of that business. And how would you describe your leadership style? I'd like to think that I, I am assertive, but I also, you know, I'm a fair leader. I try to treat everybody the same. And, and I like to try and treat people with the respect that they deserve. But at the same time, I, I, didn't, I demand that respect from my colleagues and my team members. Uh, and I think that's a two-way street. I believe that I'm able to motivate the team members to get the best out of them. Um, and I've sort of learned from the basis of the leaders or managers that I work with. I've, I've had very good managers in the past, but I've also had very bad managers or leaders. So it's about learning from those experiences from the point of view of not being the leader, if, if you understand what I'm saying. Absolutely. Uh, well, let's uh, talk a bit about uh, where your leadership styles come from. Did you have a particular role model or were you shaped more by circumstance? Um, probably my, my first role, really. When I was uh, 18, I, I just started uh, in a, a very small restaurant and hotel. And uh, the manager there, his name was Peter. Um, and he sort of showed me the ropes at a very young age. I was, I was thrown into my first managerial role at 18. So a very young uh, manager to be learning 
um, the trade in hospitality. Um, but he gave me the freedom to make mistakes, which doesn't sound great, but it was very important for me to make those mistakes because the mistakes that I made were, would haunt me almost in my first couple of years in management because I would make sure that I wouldn't make those mistakes again. Um, but he allowed, gave me the freedom to make those mistakes. We talked through those mistakes that were made. I was then allowed to rectify uh, any errors that were made, but also he gave me the control that I needed uh, in order to get the best out of my team members. Being a very young manager, obviously the, the staff members below me were effectively all older than me. So that was something which I knew was going to be difficult. Um, but in terms of my work ethic, people could see that I worked very hard and I almost instantly had that respect. So that was, uh, that was very good from that point of view. Absolutely. Uh, well, let's talk a bit about when uh, it gets a bit difficult as a leader. How do you handle conflict? Do you have a specific method for resolving it? I think it depends on the situation and, of course, the, the person or people you're dealing with. Uh, I have dealt with uh, a number of conflicts in the workplace. Um, sometimes it is as simple as sitting a certain individual down or a group of people down together. Sometimes it, it can be a case of seeing how things play out. I mean, sometimes situations can resolve themselves, but as a leader, you, you need to be aware of that situation. You, you cannot just ignore it. You know, you need to see exactly what you think will happen or try and predict what those uh, the emotions of those people will be. And of course, be able to predict the reaction of how they're going to deal with when you, you know, try to reprimand them. Um, but it is very situational um, based. I would say majority of the time you need to be able to go in there strong and, and depending on that situation, be able to resolve it in a way which does the best for the business. Because at the end of the day, the, the most important thing you're being paid by an employer to do your job, to be that leader and make sure that everything runs smoothly. Um, and those employees need to need to understand that. And that's, that's the most important thing. Now let's talk a bit about, uh, developing future leaders. Uh, do you, uh, participate in any mentorship schemes or are you just more of a person who takes someone under their wing? I'd say uh, somebody who definitely takes uh, people under their wing. Um, I have previously worked with uh, apprenticeship schemes. So I have had uh, apprentices working under me. Um, but more recently, it's uh, been pe taking people or uh, junior staff members under my wing and, and showing them the ropes, certainly. Now, when we talk about leadership, we often look to various examples. Do you have any uh, leaders from uh, large companies or from any sort of other uh, place within the public realm that you look to as an example? Um, for me, and probably the most recent uh, book I read was on Sir Alex Ferguson. Uh, for me, I think a man who was in charge of a football club for 26 years took them to a huge amount of success, not only on the pitch, but also off the pitch. Um, and I think that, that for me, is probably the one that really does stand out in terms of leadership. Uh, I don't think there's a single person in the world who, who could doubt his leadership skills. And what sort of uh, aspects of his leadership style can you employ in your day-to-day -day role? I think immediately it's that control. Having that control over your your organization, um, to able to make changes as you see fit, uh, having that respect of your colleagues and your, your team members, that's very important also. But also 
having that experience to deal with situations which uh, other other leaders or other managers may not have dealt with before. Well, I'd like to thank you very much for coming on the program today. Unfortunately, our time together is beginning to wane. But before I let you go, I'd like to talk about the future uh, for Beckett's uh, for the next 12 to 24 months. Can you give us an insight on what you have planned and how you're going to uh, continue to deal with uh, the post-COVID reality? Well, I think uh, my goal when I started at Beckett's, uh, it was about nine months ago now, was to go to an organization where I could lead them to the top. That That's still very much my aim, and that's a goal which I want to achieve. I, I want us to become the best restaurant, the best bar, the best hotel, the best venue in the city. Uh, and I know we will get there. We've got some fantastic staff members. We have owners who who back me and allow me to have that control over the organization. So I know we will get there. The only thing I don't know is what's going to happen with COVID. That's, that's the only thing. Um, and as a manager, I've spoken a lot about control today. Um, and I have no control over that situation, which as a leader or as a person, it's very difficult to, to predict something which there are no predictions for. There's, there's no patterns. We, we, we don't know what will happen. We don't know if, uh, the people who have been very supportive of, of Beckett, will they come back? Will they feel safe all the time? Um, they have so far. They've been really safe, but a lot of people are relying on the media. And as soon as there's something said in the media, they uh, you know they may be forced to stay indoors again. They may not feel like they want to go outside. Or we're going to have you know mass job losses over the next couple of months. Will that have an impact? Um, I hope not, because the aim is to become the best venue in Portsmouth and. I believe we will. I, I have absolutely no doubts of that. But um, there are, there is a situation uh, which is not just not just Beckett, but the whole world. Every industry is is fighting, um, fighting for survival, and at the same time, doing whatever they can to keep a business afloat. Let alone um, becoming the best that we can. Well, Terence, again, I'd like to thank you for coming on the program, and we have to have you back on when things get back to normal. But for now, Terence, thank you. Thank you. That was Tans Cavallo, General Manager of Beckett Salsi. And now, if you haven't heard it before, is Jonathan White's exclusive interview with Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, we're now joined, uh, though, by former England footballer and still the only man to score a hat-trick in a World Cup final, Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, thank you very much for coming on today. Uh, You're welcome. You're welcome. Good afternoon. Uh, and perhaps I should uh, start and get it over and done with. I know you must be bored with it, and uh, you've probably been asked a thousand times. But when you got out for a duck playing for Essex, uh, Jeff, what was going through your head at the time? <laughs> well, of course, that's not one of the most asked questions I get. Although there are one or two people who are very familiar um, who, who do Google me realise that I did uh, score nothing for Essex. Uh, for my only game for Essex first team when we played against Lancashire in Liverpool, a place called uh, uh, Egbert in, in, uh, in Liverpool. Many, many years ago, 1962, I think that was. So I didn't, um, yes, I, I didn't really feel it at the time. It was lucky to be <laughs> playing, I guess, there were one or two injuries. Um, but the problem that I had was, was really messing about between the two sports. That was very detrimental to me uh, over that period of time, mm. being stuck between the two sports. And I think uh, for those that uh, don't know, there's a there's a, another world that might exist where... Um, so Jeff Hurst was a, a first-class cricketer and not perhaps a, a footballer. But um, whether it's business or cricket or, or football, obviously the importance of leadership 
it can't be understated, no matter what form that comes in. When you were at West Ham, uh, Jeff, and when um, Ron Greenwood first uh, uh, came along, he made obviously some pretty radical changes. Was this a man that genuinely inspired confidence uh, the first time you'd meet him? Absolutely. I mean, he, he was simply a, a fantastic uh, coach or teacher, if you like, at the football. And uh, the, the quite always mentioned when we talk about Ron Greenwood, Harry Redknapp, who was played under him and has been very successful as a player and, and the manager over many, many, many years. He and He's come across many coaches, of course, and managers during his time over years, I guess. He would still say that Ron Greenwood is the best coach he had worked with. He'd work with. So you're very fortunate. I think you, you think you're lucky when you come across if you have a great teacher at school and a great coach, as we had in Ron Greenwood, and of course, a great manager in South Ramsey. So to come across people like that of that caliber can have a huge influence on your, your career, of course, and, and then your life. And that's, that's quite purely the case. Absolutely. And in those early days um, at West Ham, uh, with, with a manager obviously like uh, Ron uh, there, it's also important to have uh, uh, confidence with your other players. And of course, they become your friends. Who did you look at to at the time uh, when to inspire confidence in yourself? Was it more? Was it Peters? I think probably, well, I was very fortunate to play with the colour of the players I did. Again, again, extremely fortunate to play with you know, the captain um, of England and West Ham and Martin Peters, who was a fantastic player. And some, as far as Martin's concerned, I think sometimes he didn't quite get the uh, recognition he deserved. And what a wonderful player he was. In terms of inspiring confidence, I always probably say that the biggest influence uh, for me, I guess, would be the captain, Bob Moore. Although he was only... Uh, about eight months older than me, he graduated through the system probably three or four years earlier. He played for England in 62, four years before the final when I played. And so he, he was more, looked upon him more as a senior player, if you like, not as a, a guy with the same age group as me. And I looked at how he how he uh, trained, how he acted, how he behaved, and how he played. And so he, he would say, I would also say he was a big influence on me. One thing I would say about leadership, uh, what I do, I do understand clearly all walks of life. Leadership is at the top; is absolutely vital for a, a for a business, a football team, in any walk of life to be successful. And it's quite evident. I was in the motor trade for a long time as well, selling car warranties to car dealerships, and you could almost tell when you walked into the business uh, in a, many of the car dealerships. You could almost tell from the moment you walked in by initial reaction people came and welcomed you that the business was well run or conversely not well run at all. And so I understand the, the, the value and quality of leadership and that's why I'm very fortunate to be involved in my career in those early days with two, two great leaders in, in Ron Greenwood and, and Al Ramsey. Absolutely. And um, since you've already uh, brought him up, uh, Jeff, I think it'd be remiss not to go a little bit further with that, but obviously... Uh, after uh, oh, at West Ham, your uh, plan came to the attention of uh, South Ramsey. Now, there's a man, I'm sure, when you walked into a room, you knew who was um, in charge. When it came to managing that England team, what was his style like, Jeff? Well, one thing, especially I say about Ramsey, he's probably over my life the most 
powerful influence who had on me um, as a person. Um, naturally, it happens to an extent because he's got your whole career in his hand. Whether he picks you for England or he doesn't pick you, it can have a great impact on your <laughs> your career and of course your life. But yep. in that era, I was involved for six or seven years. He it was quite clear who was the boss. He was quite very very strict. Probably at a time it may be overly strict, but at a time you probably wouldn't get necessarily get away with it in, in today's football because it's changed dramatically in how you deal with with players then and players now. But he was the most powerful man I came across, and very few people. And he, he was quite ruthless in getting people out who didn't want to be who didn't want to be part of a group, part of a team. It is important that if you've got a group of people, and that's in any walk of life, they're all singing off the same hymn sheet, and you don't have anybody that's griping or moaning about the system. And if you've got people like that in the organisation, one thing I have learned and I've taken on in my life, my family, you've got somebody in a group that doesn't want to be part of it, you, you get them out. And Alf, I think, was was quite ruthless with that in his, in his staff. And I think that's one, thing I, one of the most serious ones I think I've learned over a long period of time. And is there, do you think... Uh a specific moment, I'm sure there's probably dozens, but is there a specific moment, if you could uh, perhaps pick right now, that did show those uh, qualities in uh, Sir Alf so uh, sharply? Yes, I think for, for me, certainly, um, I think there are instances of players who you thought would, would be in the team, or certainly in the squad, and surprising there were not. There was no necessary reason for it, but looking mm-hmm. back, I do think perhaps they were people that Alf didn't think wanted to be part of the group. Um, so that that's that's for me. In terms of my personal view, I think that it looked prior to the um, World Cup that I was going to be playing um, in it, only a few games before. I was I was playing and I played with Jimmy Greaves in the game against Yugoslavia only a couple of months before the final. And it looked at that stage as if I was going to be, be playing. In, in the team but uh, in a couple of friendly games more friendly games before the final in Poland and uh, uh, Norway I think in Denmark mm. I didn't I played two of the four games and I probably didn't quite replicate my my form that I'd been showing at West Ham and in the early couple of games for England and he he left me out in the first game of, of the World Cup against uh, Uruguay he started off with Jimmy Green and Roger Hunt. so mm. I, I had an impact of thinking I, at that stage I like I was going to play and didn't start because of just a lack of form. I didn't play quite well enough to justify my position. And somewhat fortuitously, I only got back in the team because of a, a nasty gash to shin um, on Jimmy Lee's leg. And I think what you've said there, uh, Jeff, actually does sum that up really well. And more than that, whilst it's important to have that someone in charge with those qualities it's almost useless if there isn't a strong and unified team behind them and there really must have been moments maybe there weren't but uh, let us know in that 66 competition the prolonged pressure on all of you you know the weight of a nation did it get to you oh not for me personally no i I think and i don't uh, not for me not for a second i think Mm. i was just happy to be I'd be involved in the squad initially. Uh, not at all. I didn't. You're not aware of the magnitude of the occasion, really. Looking back, how, how 
So I never really felt people talk about pressure a lot and it's there and people, players talk about people talk about it in life. I didn't really feel necessary to feel any great pressure, pressure during the time I was there. And what is also important to say about Alf Ramsey, people he, he left behind that were left in the squad after he'd moved one or two players out, the squad were uh, a, a bunch of very hard-nosed, professional, uh, top-quality people. And that was, again, the leadership that I'll show you. He got people in together that were very, very strong personally. Um, uh, and I think that was part of the success we had. We were very, I always describe our, our group as hard-nosed professionals. Um, we have some great players, but overall, they were great, hard-nosed professional players um, and great quality people who we've kept in contact with, you know, over the years. And Jeff, I've got to ask, and I'm, I'm not making this up, I've genuinely heard that people do ask you whether or not you realise there were people on the pitch at that moment. I imagine you were busy on something else. Well, I, I did some theatre shows last year. They've gone fairly well, and we're going to do a series of uh, theatre shows. In fact, starting this week, over the next uh, two or three months. And uh, at the end of the theatre shows, we have about 20 minutes where we uh, uh, allow the people in the audience to ask questions. And the, the, there's, I won't mention both. They're too long to talk about both questions. Um, one, the other one's a really stupid one. It's too long for me to tell you. It's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> but the, the, the other ridiculous question I get asked, did I realise there were people on the pitch? And of course, I jokingly say, yes, I was just about to, to shoot to score the goal. And I looked round, put my foot on the ball and looked round for a little while and said, oh dear, there are six or seven people running on the pitch. So that's, uh, I've had been asked that once at one of the theatre shows. <laughs> so I joke, make a joke about that and saying, yes, I put my foot on the ball and waited to just have a, look, have a glance round, you know. Maybe it does prove there are things that, such as stupid questions, really. Um, oh, yeah, there, are, there certainly are. I've got another one which I won't bore you with. It won't be too long to tell you. Uh, I was in a Jersey, or Channel Lines, Jersey or Jersey, two or three mm. years ago, and most stupid, irrelevant questions, absolutely nothing to do with football whatsoever, which uh, was absolutely... But I can use that now because it, it is quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe another time then. But we... Um, uh, well, you want me, I, I can tell you if you want. You want. You got time. I can tell, I tell you if you want. Jeff, go on. Go. On. I think I'd be, it would be silly if I said no at this point. Okay. So I was uh, doing a, a, at a dinner in you know, Channel Lines, three or four hundred people, black tie dinner, uh, guest of honor. Mm-hmm. And this occasion, I was speaking for about twenty minutes, then allowing uh, questions from the audience at the end of the evening, and there was usual football questions. And then all of a sudden, I heard a, somebody at the back who who asked a question. I didn't quite hear what he said. He didn't have the microphone with him. So I said, I didn't hear what he said. Can you please give mm. this chap the microphone so I can hear clearly what he said? So the chap had the mic and he said, when a turtle loses its shell, is it naked or is it homeless? Right. <laughs> what, what a question. What a question. Uh, well, I think that would be in, definitely in the stupid category, wouldn't it? So we had a laugh about that. Is- uh, well, uh, and we, that you've got to have a patient of a saint, I think, sometimes to put up with <laughs> well, things no, like that. Just, but then again, I found it amusing. I just found it amusing. In fact, some of the audience found it highly amusing as well. So it did, uh, um, it did make again, laugh that If you can put up with my questions, you can probably put up with uh, anything. <laughs> um, but there, there would have become a point, though, um, 
Jeff, I think um, you, you were a young man when this happened, when you must have realised that people, teammates, began looking at you for leadership. Um, is that something that occurred to you, or did you just realise that by, by one way or the other, people actually begin to look up for you for inspiration? Well, possibly. That's never really struck me until you've actually mentioned it now, quite frankly. That's a new, a new question. Mm. Does anybody look up to me? I'm sure perhaps uh, there are. There are people who pay you compliments of, of uh, fans of, of West Ham and uh, of Stoke and, of course, in, uh, England fans who... Um, I, I think probably uh, it would be very immodest of me to to suggest I, I felt that somebody was looking to me for inspiration. Um, well, you, but, you don't but, uh, have to, but I will. Uh, well, um, it's, it's okay for a third party to do it, uh, perhaps. Um, perhaps that may have been the case over the years. Uh, people look at you and um, uh, maybe uh, it has a, a helpful effect. Uh, but I do think you, you how you behave and set examples on and off the pitches, people must realise that that's, that has an influence, how you react and behave mm. to, to situations on and off the field. Surely probably has an impact to younger players coming in into the team laterally. Um, yeah. And and with that, looking at um, uh, football today, uh, is there anybody that you think particularly on the field or the sidelines that strikes you as someone with um, those qualities that you could identify in a in a natural leader? Um, well, a, a play, current players, you mean? Oh, players, managers, anybody that uh, you look to today, really? Well, I think some of the outstanding, I think the, the, the best example about a, a leader and at the moment is, is, is uh, Klopp at Liverpool. Mm. He has been absolutely fantastic to uh, acquire the players and get them to their attitude is absolutely fantastic. They're great players, but there's more than just being good players in football. It's a good player with a fantastic attitude and their willingness to work for each other and the team is absolutely outstanding. Hence these unbelievable results. There are, you know, and the great players not always succeed as, as individuals or probably even uh, certainly as a team if you haven't got the right attitude alongside it. And they're probably, and that that comes through the leadership. That's not just luck. Absolutely, that's, that's absolutely leadership. He'd be the best example, of course, in, in football terms today. Uh, easily, easily. And of course, but going back not that long ago, Alex Ferguson is just absolutely. Mm. You've got to take him as the first example. But Klopp's only done this for a period of time, a short period of time. But if you look at the twenty-five, twenty-six, twenty-seven years that. Alex Ferguson did with Manchester United and subsequently since he's gone how they they are not doing so well he's the best example of management I've seen we've seen we've probably ever seen and I don't think anybody will see the light of that kind of leadership again it's absolutely astonishing astonishing and do you think could you imagine uh, Sir Alf or even Ron Greenwood managing teams today Yes, I think so. I think yes, no, no question at all. I think they, uh, Ron Green was yeah. Well, the, the answer, straightforward answer, is yes. 
Um, good they, answer. <laughs> the straightforward answer is yes. I can elaborate as much as you want, but the straight answer is absolutely categorically yes. Uh, and with, um, I know uh, if we could talk about this probably for the next hour or so, but um, I'm conscious of the um, time. Um, looking um, back uh, through your um, playing career, perhaps especially um, your time uh, for England, who was it uh, that struck you more than anyone else on the pitch uh, that displayed qualities of not just leadership but uh, companionship and and level headedness that you think that have stuck with you all these years later? Well, I think we were, I was very fortunate, and I wouldn't take any one player out. I think looking at so that, many. yeah, so many, and that's why we were successful because we had so many. Um, showing all those qualities that you just mentioned uh, throughout the team, I think that that was outstanding, and uh, uh, and it's an opportunity to talk about uh, all of them in, in that breath. And there was nobody. And I'm going back from an earlier earlier question for me: the um, all hard nosed professionals, good good teammates, mm. good socially, and that's why we kept in touch with each other on our golf days. Every year, uh, up until about five years ago, of course, with, with the uh, sadly dwindling yes. numbers, we we still got on. Our wives got on with, all together. All those years later, it didn't just finish after '66. That reunion, that camaraderie, that team spirit, mm. um, getting on with each other, lasted for, for a long, long, long time. And I wouldn't I... when it, when you put those those questions and how you categorise those. I would pick every one of the 11 players um, who you put in that category that were like that. There was nobody else. They were all outstanding. And I think that was a big part. I can't stress how big a part that was. And I've said that many, many times for the success of the team. We had some great players. We had some great players, of course. But without the attitude (laughs) alongside that, going back to an earlier question, we wouldn't have been as uh, ultimately, ultimately as successful. Exactly. Without that, you, the, the the whole will never be greater than the sum of its parts. But with it, yes, the word, the word is team. The word is t- the word is team. Absolutely. And I always use the word team when I talk. Sometimes you know, together, everyone achieves more, and that that's the same in any walk of life. That, that's fundamental. And uh, lastly, Jeff, uh, looking if if you were to uh, give advice, and whether this is in sport or business or indeed any other walk of life. What would you identify, if you can, as the key tenant uh, that you can't go without in terms of leading a team, no matter what that team is? Single-mindedness, single-mindedness, dedication, dedication to the job. Um, thinking about that 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 role, that job in leadership all the time. It's a huge part of your life. I don't think you can switch off. When you're in, in business at the top level or sport at the top level, you may, you know, have a, way, have a couple of weeks holiday. But I'm even sure if, if these top managers and lead, leaders in all walks of life are away on holiday on a beach somewhere warm, I'm sure there's not, uh, there's, they will not switch off for, for two weeks um, and completely uh, not think about their role as the boss of an organisation. And I think that's. You're completely focused. You're always thinking about uh, things, thinking about improvements, and it's just dedication and 
attuning your life to being successful. Excellent. Well, Jeff, on that point, thank you very much for joining us today. You're welcome. Very good to nice to have a talk about this and just go over this, go over the past and just uh, refresh my mem- my own memory about the quality of the players I grew up with. Excellent. Uh, another time, uh, it would be great to talk again. Thank, thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. This has been the Leaders Council podcast. Thank you for celebrating excellence and leadership with us. I have been your host, Matthew O'Neill. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you for listening to our podcast. The views expressed within the podcast do not reflect the views of the Leaders Council of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, its parent company or subsidiaries, members of staff, other guests, or any other person therein associated.